0: So, in case you were not here with us last week, this is week two of this series. Um, I don't know if we could actually say it's God, God, or God, however. Um, it's more of a visual title than it is maybe a wor- uh, <laughs> working title. But we, we've, we've started in this whole idea that we as a nation are at this point where more and more and more people um, are entering this category um, that's known as the nuns. <clears throat> and not N-U-N like Catholic nuns, um, but nuns, N-O-N-E-S, nuns. Um, as in, when it comes to their spiritual affiliation, they have none. none. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. And, and it's not necessarily that um, <clears throat> so many people have necessarily fully crossed the line where they say they don't believe in God and, and fully embrace um, the, the position of being an atheist, but more and more and more um, people are saying, I'm not maybe necessarily ready to cross that line, but I am, I think, ready to kind of step away from the whole religion thing. And being a nation that is predominantly Christian at this juncture, Christianity is the main religion that people are stepping away from more and more and more. And so last week we talked about the idea that when you step away from something, um, it's impossible to do that without turning towards something else. And so last week, um, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, we kind of just took a look at what are some of the concepts and ideas that if you are choosing, thinking about, or have stepped away from um, God and religion and church, what it is that you're kind of turning, towards in some of those concepts. Now, <clears throat> I don't think that any of us would argue, if we're going if we're, if we're to be honest with ourselves, I don't think any of us would argue about the fact that there are certain things about theism, um, certain things about God, certain things about religion and Christianity uh, in particular, um, that if we're honest are unsettling. Um, there's, there's some ideas that we you know don't really we try to avoid conversations about and we find ourselves very uneasy and unsettled if we're put in a spot where we have to try and defend these things. On the other hand, when you're looking at the alternative, the idea of, um, the idea of a, a, a godless, um, universe where everything's kind of just, um, reduced to the laws of physics and physics and chemistry and biology, and that's it. And there's nothing more. That whole idea, that can be unsettling as well. Um, And so more and more people are finding themselves kind of stuck in the middle between those two things. Um, And so it's a growing percentage. So if if you find yourself, and I guess this is kind of, if I have to figure out where exactly my target audience is, I would have to say that, that if you find yourselves in a position to where some of the things that you've always believed are all of a sudden not seeming to make sense, And that you're kind of having that question of starting to wonder of like, ah, do I really believe this? Do I really think this is truth in the way that I grew up thinking that this was truth? Um, This is what I want to talk about. And, And you should not, let me say this, you should not be embarrassed about losing faith in God. And the reason that I say that is, is that people have been losing faith in God for as long as there have been people. And so you're definitely not the first, if you're having any of these ideas, you're not the first to travel down this path. Humanity has been disbelieving in God since the beginning. I mean, once upon a time, the most civilized um, society on the entire planet worshiped the sun. And that was the accepted God. That was the accepted thing. And then some years later, the most civilized uh, society on the planet worshiped Zeus and then Jupiter. And, and, and there aren't many people who still worship those things and those gods. They've largely given up on them and gave up on those gods. And so people have been believing and then not believing in God all of the time. Now, I, I introduced you to um, several writers um, last week, who are guys who are kind of known as the new atheists, and, and they are fairly popular as far as the things that they write and put out and the ideas they have. One of those guys was Richard Dawkins, and, and he sums up this whole idea of um, kind of people losing faith in God and kind of where it stands as far as the atheist goes. He, he has this statement that it, it, it's, a, it's a really great statement when you sum the whole thing, out. He, he says, he says, we are all atheists about most of the God's humanity has ever believed in. Some of us just go one God further. So in other words, we're all atheists to some degree in the sense of if we believe in one God, we don't believe in all of the others that have been. And so the atheists kind of say, we just go one God further than you're willing to go and just kind of eliminate God from the picture. And here's something interesting when it comes to all of that is that actually um, at the very beginning of Christianity, when the whole movement was starting, um, when when it spread into Rome, um, the early Christians were considered atheists. Why? Because they didn't believe in the Roman gods. And so the people of Rome, as they looked at these people who didn't believe in the Roman gods or they didn't worship or embrace the uh, pantheon of gods there in Rome, they just assumed they were godless and that they were atheists. And they're like, the Christian's message was, no, 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 that's not the case. We just believe in a different God. And I think there's still kind of that tension that still persists today. And it may be one of the reasons that you have considered or have stepped away from religion altogether. And the reason I say that is because I've never heard a story and granted, I have not heard all stories, but I've never really heard a story of someone leaving Christianity who, when they get down to the reason that they actually left, that it really has anything to do with actual Christianity. I mean, there are lots of reasons for stepping away from God. There are lots of reasons to kind of get away from religion and kind of turn your back on all of that. And I hear some of these stories that when people talk about it to me or I read some of these things and the whole idea of it, it just breaks my heart. I want to say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're stepping away from God, but the way that you describe God, who told you that's what God is like? Who told you that that's who he is? Where did you get that picture of this God that you're stepping away from? Maybe, 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 maybe you've got the wrong version of God. Now, there are kind of two or three different versions of the whole um, leaving Christianity, leaving religion um, thing. Uh, and, and there's different ways that people go about it. One is that people, um, maybe you grew up in a, in a religious Environment, and you had some, some kind of childhood conversion where you got to the point, to the age where there was maybe a little pressure from some Sunday school teachers, or maybe it was an exciting week at vacation Bible school, and you had some kind of childhood conversion. And then, then after that, as you grew up, you kind of transitioned into an irreligious environment. Maybe you went off to college, maybe your family moved, maybe you got some new friends or introduced some people and, and you were all of a sudden in this environment that wasn't about religion and it wasn't about God. And as you were in this environment, you were like, huh, I like this. (laughs) This is, this is much better. This is, this is a much better time. And you liked it. And maybe you liked it a lot, Right? And so then, when you found yourself in this environment, you start to ask these questions. And all of these thoughts start coming in your mind. And you begin asking adult questions about your childhood faith. And in response, when you start asking these adult questions about this faith that's been very basic from your childhood, you received faith based answers to what were fact based questions. And after that happened enough, one day, you don't know, it's a transition, it's a process. But one day, you just kind of come to the realization of, I I don't think I believe this anymore. And belief in itself is a strange thing. I mean, because when you come down to it, you either believe or you don't, right? I mean, it's not like you can just trick yourself or make yourself do the other. You can't just be like, well, I haven't believed any of it up to now, but you know what? I'm going to start right now believing. Like, that's not... That's not how it works. You can't just say, well, I've changed my mind. I'm going to start. It's not, it's not that simple. And you can go to church and that doesn't mean that you believe something and you can stop going to church and it doesn't mean that you've quit believing something and and belief is just this strange thing. And many people don't really know why or how or how long it took them to get there, but they just kind of come to the realization one day, I don't think I buy into this anymore. Now, maybe, maybe the story is a little different. Maybe, it's, it's, uh, maybe it hinged on something that happened or took place. Maybe you grew up in that religious environment. You had that, that childhood conversion into it, and then you experienced a faith-crushing, um, faith-testing event. And it kind of put an end to your belief as you watched the way the circumstance around you unfolded and the things that you experienced. And you began asking asking questions. And once again, questions that were based on facts were answered by faith. And it just didn't really do it. And your response may have been, I want to believe, I want to believe, I want to believe, but I just can't believe any more. Because the way that I was taught that God was and who he was and how he works, the way that I was taught, that just doesn't line up with my experience. It doesn't line up with how I've seen God act and react in my situations. And I can't deny reality and I can't deny my experience. And so I can't believe any longer. Maybe maybe it was a little, it was even a little different from that. Maybe you grew up in the religious environment and maybe you didn't have anything bad happen. Maybe there wasn't that major event, but you started asking questions and your parents couldn't really answer the questions. And so they just kind of hem hauled around and did the best they could. And maybe they sent you to your pastor and then your pastor your priest couldn't answer the questions really to your satisfaction. And they kind of, you know, said some. And then they said, maybe here, just read these books. Let me try this. This will help you out. And you read the books and the books didn't really do anything for you. And you may have, you know, you may have just thought your way away from it. You may have just been like, man, nobody can answer these questions. Nobody can satisfac- give me a, a, a satisfactory answer to some of these things. And so I just don't think that I can do this. But here's, here's what I've discovered. As I've, as I've listened to a lot of people talk about stepping away from religion and from God and read a lot of the stories, here's what I was kind of, the versions of Christianity that people walk away from and turn their backs on generally have two things in common. One is there's always a somebody told me so God. And the second is that there's usually a, the Bible tells me so Jesus. And here's what I mean by, by those two things. As somebody told me so, God. This is what I was told God was like. This is what I, how I was told God acts. This is, this is what I was told God wanted. And we've got this idea of who God is based on what we've been told by other people. And then the Bible tells me so, Jesus. Basically, every time I would ask a question and I started thinking about Jesus and I'd ask, the response would be, well, the Bible says... And be like, okay, okay, I know that, but let me ask you this question. Well, the Bible says. Well, okay, okay, I know what the Bible says, but in this world now, where we're living and interacting, how do? Let me ask you this. Well, the Bible says, and you just eventually you get to the end of that where the Bible says line. And so last week we talked about what you're turning towards if you begin to turn from God and turn from religion. Today I want to start talking about what it is specifically that you're actually stepping away or turning away from. And next, so today I want to talk about the somebody told me so God. And then next week, we're going to look at the Bible tells me so, Jesus. Um, So today I want to look at a a statement. There's an author um, named Karen Armstrong, and she wrote a book that's called The Case for God. And she's pretty brilliant in her writing. She's got an amazing grasp um, on religion and some amazing insights. And and she, she says this in her book, the Case for God. She says, many of us have been left stranded with an incoherent concept of God. We learn about God at the same time that we were told about Santa Claus. But our whole understanding of the Santa Claus phenomenon evolved and matured. Our theology though, remains somewhat infantile. Not surprisingly, when we reach intellectual maturity, many of us reject the God that we had inherited And denied that he ever existed. There have been a lot of people that have experienced that. I'll own it. There's times I've kind of wrestled with that whole idea and experienced that. And the reason is that because most of us were presented with the concept of God when we were very young. I remember the church that I was on staff at in Ohio, um, one year on Easter, they played a video of all of the kids uh, in the daycare there at the church kind of talking about what Easter was. It was little clips of each of these kids. And one of the kids (laughs) comes on and he says, Easter is about when Jesus was nailed to the cross and then Batman came and saved him. And everybody's like, oh, that's so cute. But all of those characters are wrapped up in their minds. And you're introduced to all of these things at the same time when you're young. And kind of the approach to them are all kind of the same when you're a kid. And as you grow up, you kind of come to accept the, uh, the made up fantasy nature of many of them, but yet you're left to be like, nope, you need to hold on to that one. But yet our theology doesn't grow with us. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about In the few minutes that we've got uh, remaining today, I want to talk about the gods that we grew up with. That is the the gods that we grew up with, specifically the ones we grew up with that do not exist. I want to talk about the gods that we grew up with that do not exist and you should not believe in them anymore. And perhaps these are the gods that you walked away from and that you should have walked away from because those gods don't exist. But because those gods don't exist, doesn't mean God doesn't exist. So here we go, talking about our growing up gods. Here's the first growing up God I want to talk about. Bodyguard God, right? Bodyguard God, yeah. this, This God is completely left over from our childhood image of God. Nobody, nobody has ever made the following argument as a position for God existing. Nobody has ever, ever said a good God would not allow bad things to happen to good people. So since bad things have never happened to good people, there must be a God. Nobody's ever said that full statement because we've all seen bad things happen to good people. And so nobody says, okay, since nothing bad has happened to good people, there must be a God. But when we flip that around and we say, we say, well, bad things happening to good people, and we hold that up against who we think God is. And we say, well, since this is happening, that means God must exist. The assumption is, is that somewhere along the way, somebody told you, or you got the idea somewhere that God claimed he would never let bad things happen to good people. Now, now this is not an argument for or against God. This is a somebody told you, this is how it was. And on the surface, That kind of makes sense. Well, if there was God, and if God was good, then these things wouldn't happen. But this is not a Christian argument for God. In fact, Christianity started from the beginning with something horrible happening to a really, really good person. And if God claimed that he would never allow anything bad to happen to good people, Christianity would never have made it out of the first century because all of the heroes of Christianity in the first century who were responsible for spreading the message and responsible for us even still being here today, thousands of years later, talking about it, all were treated bad by the Roman empire and by the temple. In fact, most of them died because of their faith. And that is the root and the beginning of Christianity. And so the whole idea of even thinking for a second that God would ever say or profess to say, well, I'm not gonna allow bad things to happen to good people. I mean, that just, I don't have any idea where we got that. We didn't get it from Christianity. At least not what Christianity's supposed to be. Nobody's ever built the case for God based on the lack of evil in the world. There's no case there to be made. So if you've lost faith in bodyguard Jesus because of bad things that have happened, good. Because bodyguard Jesus doesn't exist. But for some of you, God protecting you from bad things was the defining characteristic of God for you in your childhood and growing up. It was the thing that you placed the most comfort in. So when you saw bad things happen, your faith began to collapse. Now, I would say you had the wrong god because that god doesn't exist. Now, close to and similar to bodyguard god is on-demand god. Ha. <laughs> Yeah, on-demand God. On-demand God is the God that responds to fair and selfless requests the way that we would, right? The way that we would, the fair, when we say, look, 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 I'm not asking you to change the world, God. I just want a date. That's easy enough. No, 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 no. Okay, no, it's gotta be selfless. No, no, okay, I'm not asking you to change the world. I just want my kid to have a date. It's that time. God, can we get this moving down the road? Because I want grandchildren. No, 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 no. That's self. No, I want them to be happy. Right? And we expect God to do for us what we think we would do for others. That is we want we want a God that will answer my prayers. That will be responsive. Because if there's a personal God after all, shouldn't he answer? My prayer, shouldn't he respond to my prayer? Should he give me what I want or what I need? But come on. None of us have had that experience. None of us. We ask for an answer, and many times we hear nothing. Right? We ask for a sign, and we see nothing. We ask for a miracle and receive nothing. And so when you have these prayers and you have these requests and you have these things that you're looking for and there's no answer and you don't get it and it doesn't get it, well, then there must not be a God because God clearly is not responding to me. And I would say, you're right. On-demand God doesn't exist. And you're right to stop believing in that God. But here's the question, here's the question, here's the question. Who told you that God should respond the way that you expect him to respond? Where did that come from? Somebody somewhere has told you that. But honestly, I'm glad that God doesn't exist. And so are you. Because as the older I get, the more and more I look back on the things that I asked for when I was young, and I am so grateful he did not give me those things. <laughs> My life would be a mess, your life would be a mess, none of us would have ended up with the right people in life, everything would be chaotic because we're idiots. We don't know what we want/slash need but we're not afraid to ask God for it and then get mad when he doesn't come through. But that God, he doesn't exist. Here's the third one. The boyfriend, girlfriend God. Mm-hmm. Boyfriend, girlfriend God. And now the more, the more um, charismatic your background is, the more, the more prevalent this, this God is. This is the God whose presence is always felt. I can feel God with can't you just feel God in the room today? No. Let's, let's add a little guitar behind me. Now do you feel God in the room today? And it's that present, that, oh, I need to feel. If God is with me, I should feel that God is with me. And many of us, as we were growing up, we were going through youth groups and we think, okay, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. You should be able to feel the presence of the almighty God with you. And then you get older and, and you don't feel the presence of anything, right? And you think, man, man, God, I wanna feel your presence. I don't feel your presence. So what do I gotta do? Okay, I'm gonna read some books about your presence. Okay, I'm gonna read, uh, okay, enough of the reading books. Maybe I'll actually read some scripture and you can pop over the scripture. Okay, I'm not feeling it. Maybe I need to play some worship music while I'm reading it. Okay, no, okay, maybe I'll pray for it. And it all just feels flat. And it feels like you're just spinning your wheels and your words are just bouncing off the ceiling and nothing's happening. And we think, well, if I can't feel his presence, then he must not be present. To which I would say says who? Who told you that? Who told you you would always be able to feel the presence of God? Here's a little sidebar. Did you know that you are least aware of the things that are the most constant, right? When you're sitting in this room on Sunday mornings, every one of us have some feeling about the temperature. (laughs) Some of you think it's too hot in this room. Some of you think it's too cold in this room. But let me tell you what none of you ever do. None of you ever sit in a room, any room that is the perfect temperature and you stop and you look to the person next to you and you say, isn't this room the perfect temperature? No, because when it's the perfect temperature, you don't even think about it. You just keep moving on and everybody, everybody, everybody experiences not feeling the presence of God. In uh, Mother Teresa's life, she had a time period in her, her confessor wrote and admitted that there was a period of years and years and years in which she went and did not experience or feel the presence of God. So if you quit believing in boyfriend, girlfriend, God, good. Because that God doesn't exist either. Then there's the big, the big one. There's there's the big, this is the God that we run from the quickest, but is the most difficult. It takes the longest amount of time to extrapolate ourselves from this God. This is the God that chases us through adulthood no matter how hard we try to get away from. This is the God that we just want with everything in us to quit believing in, but we never can seem to do it. That, that is this guilt God. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh yeah, I got that God. Guilt God controls you through guilt and through fear. If it's enjoyable, the answer is no, Right? If it's something that has to do with sex, the answer is no, 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 right? This God loves you, but this God doesn't like you very much. (laughs) The guilt God. And as soon as we get away from the guilt God environment, we run as fast as we can. As soon as we just get a taste of, oh, wow, I don't have to deal with that. I mean, we run, but something about that guilt stays with us no matter how hard we try to get away from it. It's nearly impossible to rid yourself of the guilt. Who, who, who told you about guilt, God? Was it your parents, a priest, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher somewhere? because that's a somebody told you so, God. Then there's this one. And this one, the church over time has done a horrible job with. And that's this, the anti-science God. Yeah, this is the God where you find yourself in a position where you are forced to choose. I have to choose between undeniable science or unreliable religion. And you feel like you're put in this position to where it's either one or it's the other. Where you say, okay, I know some of the things I've been taught in school as I've gotten older and I've gone to college, like what, what is tangible taught to me in these science classes. I see the advances that have been made in society and technology and, you know, all it. And it's undeniable. I can't argue with that. And then I think, I look at religion and man, what a, what a, re, what a mess religion can be. I mean, everybody just disagreeing with everybody and it changes and it's unreliable. And look at the damage that religion has caused over the history of the globe. So, you know, you, mom, dad, pastor, you're asking me to deny what is undeniable in order to embrace what is unreliable. And many of us get to the point where we say, I can't pretend to defend religion. Or I can't pretend to live with my eyes closed and not acknowledge the undeniable advances of science. And when science and religion conflict, at the end of the day, if you are an intellectually honest person, at the end of the day, science has to win. But the message that you get or grew up with, which may be why some of you walked away or some of you are questioning or doubting religion is that you have to, in order to be a Christian, that you have to quit thinking and start believing. That you have to quit thinking, quit asking questions, quit delving into it, just believe, just have faith. And we're gonna talk about this in a few weeks as well, but the whole idea that Christianity is just based on belief That's not true. I mean, we come to Christianity through faith, but we are not Christians just because we believe something. I mean, that idea is absurd. And if you grew up with that kind of faith, no wonder you've considered walking away from religion and from God. Richard Dawkins nails it with this statement. in one of his books, he says, one of the truly bad effects of religion is that it teaches us that it is a virtue to be satisfied with not understanding. It's a virtue to say, well, we don't have to know, we just believe. And that's not a virtue. And listen, your Sunday school God that you had as a child, your childhood God probably cannot be reconciled with science, it probably can't happen. I understand that, but here's some good news: the you have to choose God or science conundrum, that's a false alternative. And here's why it's a false alternative: I, I can prove it through your own behavior. And for for any of you in the room who may um, may you may be on the atheist side, maybe on the I've turned um, my back on religion side, I'm going to give you some ammunition because we as Christians can be terrible, terrible hypocrites. <clears throat> So here's some ammunition against us. Here here, here we go. Parents, parents, when your kid gets sick, where do you take them? You take them to the doctor, don't you? I know none of you have shown up on my doorstep with your sick child. None of you. No, you take them to the doctor and the doctor looks at them, and the doctor says, wow, I'm a little concerned. This may be something serious. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a few blood samples and we're going to send them off to the lab. They'll be back tomorrow. We're going to call you. We're going to let you know what it is that we find and you go home. And when it comes tomorrow, you are waiting by the phone for those labs to come back. I mean, you've got all your friends praying, but you're waiting by the phone. Yeah, you guys pray, I'm waiting for the phone. Then the phone rings. The first ring doesn't even finish. You pick it up. Hello, hello, hello. It's the doctor on the other end of the line. Doctor says, well, we've gotten, we've gotten all the labs back. And here's what we've concluded. And you're just hanging on the edge. And doctor says, after looking at all the labs, we have concluded we believe That God is trying to teach you something. (laughs) You're like, no, 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 no. That is not what I am looking for from the doctor. Now, listen, if we lean into science for our health, why would we reject it in other capacities? Why would we do that? It's a false alternative. Which means if you were forced away from your faith because you felt like you were put into this position where you have to either choose science or you have to choose God, I'm so sorry that somebody presented to you an anti science God. Because honestly, what Christians have believed historically is that God created the universe. And every single thing that we discover through science is us just figuring out another part of how he did it. Now, that leads us to the last one. And that's gap God. Gap God. Gap God, gap God is the God that conveniently shows up anytime we don't have an explanation for something. Hmm? Anytime. When something happens and we don't have an explanation, we've got a phrase for that. Oh, that was a God thing, right? I don't have any idea what's going on. That must have been a God thing. Oh, man, it is storming. And this parking lot's full. Lord, give me a parking space. Oh, man, the first parking space closest to the building opened up. That was a God thing. Mm, was it? Mm. But if we're not careful, listen, listen, if we aren't careful, our faith can begin to rest on a God that shows up as the explanation for the unexplainable. And as a result, this ultimately undermines our faith. And here's why. Because the list of things that we cannot explain is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And the list of things that we can't explain is getting longer and longer. And those are good things to be happening. Those are good. I mean, don't you, listen, if you're honest with yourself, don't you hope that ultimately science is able to figure out a way to cure every single disease? Yeah, you do. If you don't hope that, you're a monster. (laughs) And here's the thing, gap God doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. Here's why. Because what is unexplainable today may be explainable tomorrow. And if you've thrown God in as the explanation, then when all of the sudden the explanation comes through, what does that do to your faith in God? If your faith rests on the God of the unexplainable, that God disappears with every new understanding that we come across. And Christians have to be careful because unexplainable is not evidence for God. Unexplainable is evidence of our ignorance. That's what it is. Sam Harris, one of the writers I talked about last week, he he said this, and this is a great statement. He said, we must pay attention to the frontiers of our ignorance for on the frontiers of our ignorance is where new things are discovered and found. And you want that. You're all for people being on the frontiers of our ignorance when it comes to medicine. You're, you're all for people forging ahead on the frontiers of our ignorance when it comes to curing diseases. When it comes to treating whatever it is, that thing that your loved one is suffering with. Somebody needs to figure that out. We've got to get something done to help them out. And the very moment that you buy into the myth of this God who can fill in the gap every time that you don't understand something, you have begun to undermine your own faith. Gap God does not exist. And I'll even, go, I'll even go this far as to, to say this. If everything were explainable, it still would not explain away God. We do not need to be afraid of that. That is one of those fears that seems to permeate the church. I've heard people say, well, you know, we don't need to discover everything because if we, if we knew everything and understood everything, we'd be God, No, we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. If we really believe that God is the creator of the universe and we believe what science says, that it all began with a singularity that unfurled in the universe and introduced the laws of physics, what would we expect to then find in that universe? We would expect to find a predictable, a stable, a regular universe. In fact, in fact, if you go back to the beginning of the whole modern science movement, it was Christians who were at the beginning of it. And the reason is, is that whether you believe in the story of Genesis as an actual creation or as allegory, when you go back to that, Christians believed God rested which means he is done creating. And now that he's done, we are able to observe and understand and figure out exactly what it is that he has done. And since he created it, it would be regular and predictable and observable. Listen, these gods, these gods are not a reason to leave Christianity. They're not. These gods are unmet childhood expectation. That's what they are. In some cases, they are ill-informed or uneducated interpretations. And for some of you, for some of you, in your experience, these gods are blatant manipulation by those who found themselves in some power. So here's the question. That God that you may be having a hard time believing in or that God that you've decided doesn't exist. Where did that view of God come from? Where did you get that? Did you just carry childhood God into adulthood and it didn't work? Couldn't hold up? And so because of that, God must not exist? Where did you get the idea of God? Now, to be clear, to be clear, today was not an argument for the existence of God. I'm simply talking about the gods that we turn our back on. And I'm just suggesting that if you have walked away from God, or if you are finding yourselves in a time of doubting and thinking about walking away from God, you may be walking away from a God that never existed in the first place. So, where did you get your idea of God? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, religion, especially religion that we've grown up in from a very young age, is so. Difficult to manage our way through. God, as some of these ideas that we have, and we may not even be able to answer the question of where did we get these ideas, are so deeply ingrained at us that they have altered the reality of who you are to us. Lord, as we're getting ready to really get into some more stuff in this series and this whole idea. This week, God, I I ask that you keep this question on the mind of all of us. Who do I think God is and where did I get that idea? God, help us to begin to come to an understanding of why we think you are who we think you are. And Lord, for those of us who may have left religion and left the church and left Christianity, or those of us who may find ourselves in some extreme periods of doubt and thinking about walking away from it. Lord, allow us to spend some time contemplating what is it actually that we walked away from? Lord, I thank you for who you are not who we've created you to be. And Lord, I thank you for everything that you did for us to open and establish relationship with us. Lord, now give us some wisdom to begin to untangle who you really are. In your name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being out and look forward to next week as we dive even further into this idea of God. It's so beautiful.